Today, answers matter more than ever before. That's why IBM is helping businesses manage customer questions with Watson Assistant. It's conversational AI designed to work for any industry. Let's put smart to work. Visit ibm.com slash Watson Assistant. Head on Sports Center, LeBron with the most unnecessary, over-the-top clapback you've ever heard. Who gets mad at a player for taking up for a teammate at whom you threw shade? Honestly. Who makes a quarterback change when your starter just threw four touchdowns and you're 7-2? Really, Mike Zimmer? Somebody tell me what I'm missing. And speaking of hit or miss, pitching to this guy typically ended one or two ways this season. And moments from now, we expect he'll cap his historic rookie season with an AL Rookie of the Year award, a hearing with your honor, Aaron Judge. Coming up on the best 60 minutes of your day, there's a look at tonight's six at six, including a look ahead to tomorrow night's college football playoff top six. And later, reaction from the team that wins the top pick on tonight's WNBA lottery. But we get this train rolling with LeBron James, man of the people, taking the train to work. way back from shoot around decided to take a different transportation this time where we at Kyle train we had a two options 45 minute bus ride 45 minute bus ride or a 6 minute train ride so we decided to hop on the train with the squad hey what's up what's question what's question i don't know this dude right here he tripping Hey, D-Way. Hey, well, we on this train? Man, we out here, dog. Hey. We out here. Hey, we on this train. Yeah, now we got more room now. Look. Look, as much as I want to clown old boy for acting as though LeBron is the fanboy paparazzi, I actually have to give him props for finding a way to be the star of a video of a LeBron and D-Wade on a New York City subway. I don't care about the Cavs taking the subway. I care to know who this guy is, or better yet, who he thinks he is, who he thinks is going to bust him, or who he thinks the guy next to him is that he doesn't want to get caught on camera with LeBron James. Did he not know that that was LeBron? Wait, we have answers. He's actually a comedian and a real estate agent named James Michael Angelo, who was listening to YouTube, hadn't finished his latte with LeBron, and wasn't minding his space, says he of LeBron James. Anyway, uh, as if the best player in the world playing in the world's most famous arena weren't reason enough to get excited for Cavs at Knicks, LeBron decided to go at old friend Phil Jackson over the weekend when he echoed what every NBA observer and certainly every Knicks fan has said since Summer League, if not on draft night, that the Knicks should have taken Dennis Smith Jr. at 8 instead of Frank Nicolina. Naturally, the Knicks, namely in his canter, took exception, a reaction to which for some reason LeBron takes issues. I wasn't throwing shade at, at Frank at all um, for people that got the... Uh, pants and bunches and things of that nature here in New York and look for any controversy here. Um, you know, I was basically stating what I saw in Dennis Smith and and what I saw from him and him coming out and watching the draft and, you know, thought that he would be a great fit here with Porzingis, you know, and that's not to saying that Frank won't be a great fit. Oh, yeah, it's definitely a shot at him. That's for sure. I have no wrongdoings from the Knicks organization. I don't know how they, you know, I mean, we all know how they handled the Carmelo situation, but um, you know, I'm not a fan of Phil Jackson, though. I think you guys already know that. Let's not. That's the past stuff, but he's not even here anymore. 
<laughs> so as if GM and the, the Cavs weren't enough, now he's GM and the rest of the league. Dave McMenamin, for somebody who has such a strong sensibility when it comes to player perspective, why would LeBron feel it's so necessary to take a shot at Phil that he would in the process make it harder for a rookie in New York? I guess what I'm saying is Frank Nicolina, he didn't draft himself. He doesn't need LeBron telling Knicks fans that they made a mistake. Am I making sense here, Dave? Yeah, I guess so, but LeBron's loyalty here is to Dennis Smith Jr., a kid that he said he's known since he was 13 or 14 years old. And also, we're talking about Dennis Smith Jr., we're talking about Frank Nilekina, we're talking about Phil Jackson, we're not talking about the Cavs being 6-7 and seven and barely beating a Dallas Mavericks team that's 2-12, and 12, the worst team in the NBA, on their last game of the road trip. So I think there's some method to his madness here. LeBron <laughs> knows how to get the media's attention and put it towards, you know, hey, look at the, you know, what uh, the shiny object over here. Don't pay attention to what's going on behind the, the curtain. And right now, no one's talking about the Cavs' poor play. We're talking about the circus that LeBron James is bringing to Madden Square Garden. All right, so to your point, meanwhile, the Cavs, they've allowed at least 100 points in 11 straight games. There's one shot along with such streak for any of LeBron's teams in his career, 12 last year. They sit at 6-7, and seven, looking up at the 7-5 and five Knicks. So basically, Dave, we're looking at a triple-double or at least a 40-piece from LeBron tonight, right? No way he holds an L after all of this. I would think so because the last time the Cavs were in a situation like this with all eyes on them, they were in Washington, D.C. about two weeks ago. LeBron dropped 57. I'm not going to say he dropped 57 tonight, but you think about it, uh, 10 of his 11 50-point games of his career have been on the road, two of them in this building, and three of his last six games at Madden Square Garden – he put up a triple-double. So you expect him to show up tonight, especially with bringing so much attention to this Phil Jackson issue. The best way to get the last laugh in terms of what Phil has done to this franchise is for LeBron to embarrass him once again. Poor Frank Nilekina. I mean, goodness gracious. Anyway, thank you, Dave. I appreciate it. It's caught in a crossfire. 1,024 different two-man lineups have played at least 60 minutes on the floor together this season. None has a better offensive efficiency nor net efficiency than Chris Stapps, Chris Ingus, and Frank Nelikina. In the 60 minutes they played together, the Knicks have outscored their opponents 164 to 110. Nelikina has also been a force on the defensive end, in case you weren't paying close attention, ranking second in the NBA and first in terms of point guards in deflections per 36 minutes. So Ennis Cantor and others have publicly defended Frank uh, Nelikina. But Ian Begley, privately, are the Knicks regretting leaving Dennis Smith Jr. on the board for the Mavericks to take at nine? Mike, if we were talking about four months ago, I would say yes, they were. Because back in July, Dennis Smith Jr. was lighting up the Summer League and Frank Nilakina was injured. But now fast forward to November, Frank Nilakina is playing well for the New York Knicks. They're very comfortable with what they're seeing from him on the floor. If you go back to draft night, though, there were people in the Knicks draft room who loved Dennis Smith Jr. There were people in the Knicks draft room who loved Malik Monk and Donovan Mitchell. So there was a healthy debate before Phil Jackson ultimately selected Nilakina. So the Knicks did like Dennis Smith Jr. back then, but I think they're comfortable with Frank right now because you mentioned it. The way he's meshed so far with Kristaps Porzingis, again, it's very early, but he's looked very good with Porzingis on the court. They've combined for some some flashy alley-oops on pick and rolls, and Frank is just a solid defender. He's shown himself to have the ability to lock down the opposing point guard during stretches early on in his career. If he can continue to develop 
develop on that end of the floor, I think the Knicks will be very happy with their decision to draft Nilakina. Once One thing you know about New Yorkers, and the team is reflecting this, they rally around one another. So they may not like you, but you can't talk about family. So New Yorkers are certainly going to support uh, good old Frank when it comes to LeBron throwing shade at their organization. We appreciate it, Ian Begley. Uh, one of the... Oh, I bet, but meanwhile, Giants fans for sure want Ben McAdoo on the first thing smoking. Uh, but bad news for Big Blue Nation, good news for the McAdoos, his staff, and their families, of course, is that his key card still works after his now 1-8 Giants got worked again Sunday, this time by the C.J. Beathard-led, previously winless San Francisco 49ers. Now, uh, Giants owners John Mara and Steve Tisch released this statement earlier today saying Ben McAdoo is our head coach and has our support. We are in the midst of an extremely disappointing season. Our performance this year, particularly the past two weeks, is inexcusable and frustrating. While we appreciate that our fans are unhappy with what has occurred, nobody is more upset than we are. Our plan is to do what we have always done, which is to not offer a running commentary on the season. It is our responsibility to determine the reasons for our poor performance. And at the end of the year, we will evaluate the 2017 season in its entirety and make a determination on how we move forward. So here's Ben McAdoo. Uh, Where do we go from here? We're disappointed but determined. Uh, We're all in this thing together. Uh, as coaches, as players, and uh, I'm not going to—I'm not here to throw anybody under the bus today. Whether it's a coach, whether it's a player, uh, we're, we're looking forward to the opportunity on Sunday to play at home at one o'clock against one of the best teams in football. So, if you're evaluating at the end of this season, you more or less effectively fired him anyway, right? Whether or not it's his fault or not this year. He's going into next year having to win or be fired either next year or the year after that, right? He's, he, he's, Ryan he's Clark, to, hey, for those who don't oh, know, how do you not know this guy What's with happening? this suit? What's happening, guys? <laughs> Good to see you. I'm loving it. Check it out. He needs to be fired now. Like yesterday. Yesterday. He needs to be fired. After he got off the podium and said, it's not my job to inspire. It's not my job to motivate these men because we're all getting checks, There's right? No there is no truth to that. <laughs> Because that is part of your job. As a head coach, how do you affect people? How do you move people? How do you progress them forward? And no, it's not your job to be rah-rah, you need to get out here and play. But it is your job to make sure that every player on that team is prepared mentally, physically, and emotionally right. to do their jobs so to the best of their ability. out on him, not just a team that's got bad players? You see a team that's no, checked out on their coach? Some, when, when, the, when the good players mm-hmm. are now bad players... <laughs> That's an issue. You see what I'm saying? When, 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 when the enough. people, right. like, I'm counting on you. Right. I know if, if, if all goes bad, you're going to be a good football player. I don't really want to play with this dude, though. But you got people saying the right things publicly as it relates to not quitting on him. But their actions, certainly, I, I can't hear what you're saying for your actions. That said, why take the action of firing him right now? Because all you would be doing was promoting an interim to finish out the season. We all know that they're going to be looking for another coach. And if they, can, if they can't be with the one they love, they're going to love the one they're with, most likely. Right. Because what it does for me, if I'm evaluating this team, if I'm evaluating these players, I now have taken Ben McAdoo out of the equation. Okay, this is a guy who doesn't motivate. This is a guy who doesn't inspire. This is a guy who's lost the locker room. Well, let's take him out of the equation. Now, what do you do for the name on the back of your jersey? Because you can't have that excuse anymore. Now I'm evaluating each player on his own merits and on his own actions. 
One of the best moments from Sunday, if not the year, was Teddy Bridgewater understandably not keeping it together before his first game in uniform since suffering a catastrophic knee injury in August of 2016. And yet, even after Case Keenan threw four touchdowns, yeah, yeah, two picks in the second half, but focus on the four touchdowns. Mike Zimmer is trying to fix what isn't broken on a 7-2 first-place team, saying today, or at least he sounds like he is, that he knows who his starting quarterback is for Week 11, but would not reveal his choice to the media. He said he has not informed the team of his choice yet and will do so on Wednesday. Keep in mind that Case Keenum's total QBR, for whatever that's worth, and it's worth a lot to us because we started it, is 72.5. That's third best in the NFL behind Deshaun Watson and Dak Prescott, just ahead of MVP candidates Carson Wentz and Tom Brady. So, Ryan Clark, why is Mike Zimmer trying to fix something that's not broken? Because you had a perception, or he had a perception of who Case Keenum was before all this started. The guy that and, threw the two picks. Yeah, and, and, and sometimes when they believe that's who you are, no matter what you do in the present, you can't change it. He wants Teddy Bridgewater to be the quarterback. But I want to take us back a couple of years ago when Teddy Bridgewater was playing what we considered well, mm-hmm. and the Minnesota Vikings were in the playoffs a field goal away from beating the Seattle Seahawks. Mm-hmm. Teddy Bridgewater's holding this team back. Teddy Bridgewater can't, <laughs> can't push the ball down the right, field. Right. Do you now remember all coming. of these different, different yeah. things? Now we can't wait to get him back in. Yeah. When, they, when they thought Sam Bradford was coming along, they couldn't wait to get Sam Bradford back in. Case Keenum has done a good enough job to be the right. starting quarterback. The chemistry and rapport he has with these receivers is huge. Here's the other thing. What's up? If you put Teddy Bridgewater in the game right now, in the stretch run of a playoff, after not playing for over a year and a half, right, right. you do him a disservice. Well, you do everybody a disservice. That's what's so surprising. This is even a conversation. This should be a non-starter. There's no quarterback controversy for several reasons. But for one, as you just mentioned, you're rolling right now, mm-hmm. okay? Why would you upset this apple cart by introducing a guy who you may have a high regard and respect for, but who hasn't played in over a year, exactly. and ask him to keep this train moving like that, right? But here's the thing about Case Keenan, professional backup. As you know, okay, he is not going to you know, cause a stink. And they won't, and Zimmer, here's the thing about Zimmer, they love him so much and respect him so much and hold Teddy Bridgewater with such high regard and respect until you, you won't lose the team no, making this change. Not. Here's what, uh, what Case Keenum said to the Monday morning quarterback. I figure it's like I got a buddy who owns a Ferrari. He's out of town letting me drive it. So as long as they leave me the keys, I'm going to keep driving his car. So he will do his job. Yep. I just think, I get that you can't lose your job to injury. But when you haven't worked in over a year, right. all bets are off. you got to stay with the guy that's been your quarterback for most of this year. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And, and the, you can't lose your job to injury is very subjective. It's, right. not, it's not everybody. All 22 starters don't get that 32, rule. 32, but you're right. 10 ain't worth the day. Yeah. So, right, <laughs> yeah. You know, it's like, like they, don't, they don't get that rule. And right. so now when you come in and you're looking at Case Keenum and what this team is doing with yeah. him, you don't take him out. You do Teddy Bridgewater disservice I in the sense you. that you're going to throw him out there and toss him to the wolves when you're down the stretch. And if it all falls apart, does he ever come back? Give him time to get right. back, have an offseason, have a training camp where he competes for the job. Right now, you let Case Keenum Here's the thing roll. about Minnesota, too. It's probably a moot point because if anybody understands the value of a good backup and how close you are to using that backup, it's the Minnesota Vikings. Absolutely. Okay, how many times have we seen guys get hurt, whether it's Bridgewater, whether it's Bradford? Right. So even though we're talking about who's starting, I'll play away. So, Teddy, Absolutely. be ready. But he already knows that. Right, Marcus Spears from SEC Network. And thinking out loud, joining us six now to recap 
uh, Wild College Football Weekend, which is redundant. Wild College Football Weekend, that's what every weekend is. How you doing, man? I'm doing good. I'm beefing with you a little bit, but I'm doing good. You're in the club. Why are you beefing with me? Because you had me put Notre Dame in the top four at number three spot oh, 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 a couple oh, I weeks ago. I had you do that. I had you do that. Yeah, you did. No, no. Peer pressure, Mike. A couple You've been of weeks a mentor ago, to me forever, <laughs> and you wanted Notre Dame in the top four, so I put them in there, and then they were in there till they weren't this past Saturday. Well, may, well, you know what? Blame Notre Dame for getting the brakes beat off from at Miami, <laughs> and you know what? Blame Georgia for having the brakes beat off of them by Auburn because maybe Georgia was overrated all along. Who the hell knows? We maybe we, so. We know that we don't know. That's what makes us somewhat intelligent when it comes to college football. <laughs> I come to you, though, for the college football knowledge, bro. So who you got in your top four? Let me tell you mine right quick. No pressure. Okay. I got it. Bama, Clemson, again, worst loss but best excuse. Oklahoma, then Miami in that order. Okay. We, we differ a little bit. I got Bama, Oklahoma, Miami, Clemson. Okay. How about that? I, I, and then that that's strong to me. Yeah, yeah, I, I still, I still dock Clemson for the Syracuse loss. I know everybody wants to be forgiven about that, yep. but I can't put them above Miami, who's undefeated, who just beat a perceived Notre Dame team that's very good. You just want still, a turnover chain. That's all you, you just want. To, you do. just want a turnover chain. I do. I hear I'm you. Like, I, I want to be a part of the culture, man. Is that not the best thing going on in college football right it, now? You, you know how it, there's a chance it's the of things. Absolute best. There's a chance of things jumping the shark and being overexposed. I can't get enough of the turnover chain. It's so dope. And though it, it fits Miami, right? Big gold Cuban link with an emblem on it. You got to <laughs> love it, man. But it, it was an exciting weekend. You look at what happened to Georgia. No one saw that coming, even though we talked about Auburn being a very good team. They just fell in a bad way in two games. They've competed hard all season. You look at Alabama, there is some issues at yeah. Bama now with so many guys being injured. How long will they be able to overcome that, especially when you talk about them possibly getting in the college football playoff? Well, and Baker Mayfield right now? Is unconscious, brother. He is going crazy on the football field, throwing it around. And the, and this was my question with Oklahoma: Would they have a defense that could compete at a championship level? Baker Mayfield is making it look like you don't even need a defense right. to win games. Just in stop Oklahoma. him a little bit. That's all. So we'd be remiss if we didn't shout out Wisconsin, but it's still no there doubt. for you. And uh, I don't know if you heard today. And we'll talk about this later in the week when we have you with our regular scheduled appearance. Maybe tomorrow even. Bama, a three-point favorite now. The line moves seven points for that November 25th Iron Bowl. You and a lot of people have been talking about Auburn perhaps ruining uh, this SEC yeah. Alabama coronation in, in the college football playoff again. So we'll certainly get into that tomorrow. Alabama down four linebackers, as you mentioned. Hey, man, we don't need to be down you when you take this four-chip challenge. Oh, excuse me, the, uh, the, the, what's, what's it called? The one-chip the, challenge. The one-chip. The one-chip challenge at Thinking Out Loud, you and Greg McElroy. Good luck with that, man. 7 p.m. on the SEC Network. Hopefully Mike, you get to Greg, talk about it. Greg's sick about it, Mike. He don't know what to do. I did the ghost pepper thing once upon a time, and let me tell you, just don't nobody go in there for 35, 45 minutes. And just within the hour, the verdict is in. Aaron Judge is your American League Rookie of the Year for 2017 unanimously, I might add. Congratulations, and he joins us now. So, Aaron, how would you describe where you were a year ago compared to sitting here today as the American League Rookie of the Year? You know, uh, thanks for having me, guys. And, uh, you know, a lot of things have changed, you know, since last year. You know, a lot of adjustments. Um, you know, a lot of people to thank along the way, you know, for this first first season. But it's it's been quite a fun ride so far. What's it feel like? Unanimous, rookie of the year, 52 homers, uh, rookie record, breaking McGuire's record. Like, what, what were you feeling? It was expected, and I'm sure you thought about it at some point. But when you heard the, got the call and heard the announcement, AL rookie of the year, unanimous, how did that feel? 
Oh, it's 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 a dream come true. You know, amazing feeling. You know, just to be, you know, mentioned with the other two candidates as well is is quite an honor. You know, the season they had, and you know, I'm just 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 blessed to be in this position. All right, now you are in a position now. You're young, just getting started, but you're the face of the franchise. Some would say one of the faces of baseball, and I know that I know you don't buy into that, but that those are the facts. So, given that, I don't know if Brian Cashman or anybody, uh, Mr. Steinbrenner, has called you or what have you, but with the team moving on from Joe Girardi, I'm just curious, what type of manager do you most enjoy playing for? You know, just one that's, you know, always always communicating. You know, that's one thing that, that I enjoyed about Joe. You know, he was my first manager. You know, got a lot of love and respect for him. You know, he was always communicating with us, asking us how we were doing, checking in with us, you know, besides the baseball stuff. You know, he knew how we were doing on the field, but he wanted to kind of know kind of behind the scenes how we were doing, you know, so it's kind of, we're all going to be sad, you know, and miss them this next up, upcoming year. But uh, we're excited for the future, you know, and who we who we get. Well, whoever gets the gig has an easy job when it comes to penciling you in the lineup in right field. Aaron Judge, unanimous AL Rookie of the Year. We appreciate it. Congratulations. No, thank you. All right, coming up on Monday Night Football on ESPN, Jay Cutler. I'm not a Vegas guy, but he's won each of his last three starts when his team is at least a nine-point underdog, including against Atlanta. But – Lisa Salters, tell us about his counterpart, Cam Newton. Hey, Michael. Well, Cam Newton is starting to groove a little bit, feeling healthy after off-season shoulder surgery, and he's starting to make plays with his legs again. In the first five weeks of the season, Newton totaled just 90 rushing yards, but in each of the last four weeks, he's led the Panthers' ground game, including a season-high 86 yards last week against the Falcons. Head coach Ron Rivera told me he's cool with Cam being on the move and with Cam being himself as long as he doesn't lower that throwing shoulder when he gets hit. As for Miami, it's hard to imagine that a team that has had so much drama in the first half of the season that they're still very much in the hunt for a playoff spot. They sit at 4-4, four and four, but 12 of the 16 teams in the AFC currently have between 3 and 6 losses. And despite ranking in the bottom three in the league in points, yards, rushing, passing, and third downs, Jay Cutler and the Dolphins' offense are coming into tonight's game with some confidence after putting up a season-high 395 yards last week in their first game without running back Jay Ajayi. So, Michael, we'll see if Miami is able to keep that going tonight against the Panthers' defense, which is tops in the league right now. One thing real easy today to get this win. Be the Saints. Yep. Just be the Saints. Yep. Play with our edge. Yep. Show how that. Show how hungry we are yep. to get this win. This team hadn't lost a game at home. That changes today. Yep. Hey, every season is full of defining moments. Let's make this day a defining moment for us in our quest. Let's go, baby. Man, they got Drew Brees out here being a motivational speaker and a game manager. <laughs> I mean, six rushing touchdowns. Three of them by Mark Ingram who got a beer shower from Beers Mafia, but he wasn't mad. I mean, they took Buffalo's soul on the road to the tune of 47-10. That's seven straight wins for the Saints. Ryan Clark is back. Ryan, last week when we talked about the Saints, I think I asked you whether or not you had them on the same level as Philly, and you said no. I'm guessing 
that you've come around. Oh, yeah. More than you already were. You weren't out in the Saints, but you got to no, be all no, the way in. Yeah, they, Forget marching in. They running in. Oh, no, they running in. <laughs> Listen, this is not a slow. They second lining right now <laughs> to where the Philadelphia Eagles are. We, we've talked about the defense, and now this two-headed running back monster that they have where Drew Brees doesn't have to carry the offense anymore. And this is the point Drew needed to get to. But you know what keeps them there? Even though Drew Brees is being not necessarily phased out, but he doesn't have to carry the team passing, right. we know when they need him. When it's crunch time, situational football is there. Yeah. And that's a very comfortable place to be if you're coaching in the NFC. You know what I love most about this team? And listen, both of us from New Orleans, so we used to same old Saints right. at some point. This team, they're so damn physical. Everything about them is just physical. Even Kamara, who's seen as a chain of, change of pace guy, that boy is hitting through the middle. Yep. He's hitting the hole with authority, same as Mark Ingram. Michael Thomas, physical. The defense, they, they hit you but you know, hard. They, they, they drafted that well. way, though. They did, and it traveled. They're all exactly. See, see, they drafted that way. When you look at Bell and Vaccaro, these are guys in the middle of that defense who are pounders. These are guys who bang. Running back, the running back style, you mentioned Kamara, and yes, he's a guy they use in a scat back type manner, but he ain't no little dude. Exactly. He's a guy that can get downhill, too. This team is built for bad weather. This team is built for January, and that's something we can't say about the Saints every year. I don't year. mean to be a victim of recency bias, but that's the most impressive team right now, with all due respect to Philly. Carson Wentz may still be the MVP. That's the best team in the NFC right now. I, they, I love no, what the Rams had buy, are doing. They had a bye. That's why. So bye, bye beat them. You, you, they lost you, to bye. They lost to the bye. What have you done for me lately? They lost, they lost, the they lost, that's what I'm you're doing. Yeah, you locked right up. Clamp, clamp. Yeah. Clamp up. Yeah. They got you. You still got Philly. Yeah, you know it's what? close, though. Hey, the it's last close. time they was out there, they hung up 51. It's close. Did we forget? On the Broncos. Who got their own problems. That's okay, though. It's close, though. It's close. Oh, so now we I just, think the Saints run the ball better. Carson Wentz or Drew Brees? Man, you've been drinking Hurricanes, huh? I probably you have. You out here drinking Hurricanes. Hey, it's the Holmes in coming out <laughs> anyway. Uh, so, all right, that's the, that's the best of the NFC. Once upon a time, we thought the Cowboys might mm-hmm. be that. But they wouldn't put Adrian Claiborne in the Pro Bowl because they wouldn't put anybody on Chaz Green's side to help him out in place of Tyron Smith. Claiborne said he had one move. That sucker was working. Fourth guy ever with six sacks. Although I just feel bad that they didn't, stop, or they didn't start recording until 82 because Deacon Jones probably had 10 in the game. Right, right, right. But anyway... Falcons over, over Cowboys, who are without, again, Tyron Smith, Ezekiel Elliott, obviously, Dan Bailey, and now, according to Jason Garrett, Sean Lee, and Jason Garrett says it might be some time. Mm-hmm. Time's up for the Cowboys. It's a wrap. Yeah, it's, it's trouble. Uh, the reason it's trouble is not necessarily because of the players. It's when you watch common sense lose, right? <laughs> you talk about, so. Help this boy out. A lot of people are like, who's the MVP? It's Tyron. We had a question on NFL Live. It was Tyron Smith, the real MVP? You no. said Scott Linehan, huh? Common sense was. Yeah. Because common sense tells you the boy needs help. Right. And it's, no, it's not, not to discount who he is as a player, sure. but there's a reason he is not the starter. So you have to find a way to run the ball at Adrian Claiborne. Don't allow him to just rush the passer. Do you know why Adrian Claiborne has one move? I know him personally, Right. Amazing athlete, works hard. He was born with a birth defect. So he can't raise, he can't use his right arm as effectively as all of us can. And so he does have one move. He can post with the left or swipe with the left. And at no point did the Dallas Cowboys say, you know what, we're going to do something to make him have to do something else. Right. And that's did on coaching. Did they at least they chip, didn't him? chip him? Did they didn't line Jason. Did you at least chip him? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I feel like we're on Players Club. You know what I like mean? Like, you didn't do anything. And it's sad because you put Chaz Green in a position where now he's the guy that's he going to be goaded to lose the game. Yeah. And it wasn't all his fault. All right, you know who does not need help? The Pittsburgh Steelers, your Steelers, when it comes to celebrations. I mean, every time I think they've maxed out, 
here in Le'Veon Bell what are they, what do they and they do Juju. During the week, I don't, do they practice? They you know, practice like, that. And they get good at it, too. Right? So here they go, mocking A.J. Green and Jalen Ramsey to right. perfection. But, but, north of the border might be where it's at. This is the Ottawa Red Black. Here's why it's the best one ever. This one? The core strength. The, the, the core strength to be in a plank that long in mid-air. Why hasn't anybody done that before? Like, that's very topical of the Steelers. But why hasn't anybody done the limbo? You know why? Because they do it more in Canada than we do it here. I don't know. They got a lot of practice but it was and celebration. Sweet, though. We just not I getting loved it. It was thing. sweet. Step your game up. Here's the other thing, though. 82 was stiff now. <laughs> Boy, 82, we'd have had him any lower, he wouldn't have made it. Hey, Brock Osweiler wasn't so bad, but this might have been his best pass of night. That Wait. was ac- the accuracy. <laughs> Gotta hey, buy that staff for hey, a beer. But watch my man do the front. The front was fall. Like, he ain't even fall back. <laughs> Why he did the front was fall? <laughs> you know who was really doing too much, though, for the Broncos? The doggone special teams. All right, who's feeling lucky? The WNBA draft lottery is here, and the new Las Vegas team, having relocated from San Antonio, enters the night with the best odds to take home the number one overall pick at 44%. With the Indiana Fever, a distant second. So we are joined now by Bill Lambeer, who is representing the new Las Vegas franchise, Amber Stocks, representing Chicago, and Pokey Chapman, rec- representing Indiana. So, killer music, killer music, killer music. Thank you. The first pick of the 2018 WNBA draft goes to Las Vegas. Congratulations Ooh. to Bill Lambeer. How do you feel? Nice. <laughs> I'm, I'm excited. Uh, I, I think having the first pick just adds to the excitement here in town. We have to grow a fan base, and this will go a long way. Yeah, new team, uh, new city. Now you got the number one overall pick in the draft. Uh, how much does this help with that relocation process to have a nice new number one pick? Well, I think the players, um, the existing players are all excited about coming here. Now we get to add a great piece to the puzzle. Uh, a lot of young players, another young player coming in. And they're going to grow together. I think that's the name. A new franchise, they can all grow, and the fan base can all grow, and they can lift each other up. All right, let me take this opportunity to plug our program. And we got South Carolina against Maryland at the top of the hour here on ESPN2. You got uh, Asia Wilson, uh, senior center out of South Carolina. Could she be in Las Vegas' future? Uh, the consensus is that she's the number one pick. You know, time will twel- tell. Injuries, whatever happens. But, you know, in our league, she's probably going to be a forward, not a center. Um, okay. There's some really big players in our league, but she's very talented. Uh, and uh, she's an exciting player to watch. Well played, Bill Lambier. <laughs> Congratulations. Best to you in the relocation and to whomever uh, the number one overall pick for Las Vegas is in the upcoming WNBA draft. Thanks for joining us. Thanks a lot. I appreciate it. Thank All you. All right. So, once again, after today's shoot-around at MSG, LeBron and the Cavs decided to really take in the city, be men of the people on the subway. On our way back from shoot-around, decided to take a different transportation this time. What we at, Kyle? train, we had a 45-minute bus ride. 45-minute bus ride, or a six-minute train ride. So, we decided to hop on the train with the squad. Hey, what's up? What's the question? What's the question? I don't know this dude right here. He's tripping. He's done. Hey, D-Way. Hey, we on this train? Man, we out here, dog. We out here. Hey, we on this train. Yeah, that we got more room now. Look. Wait, that dude got ghosted. But first of all, give it up to the New York Transportation Authority, Metropolitan Transportation Authority, getting in on the act and shouting out, 
the king of their time, Chris F. Porzingis. But shout out to the dude who I still, he's a comedian and a real estate guy who's getting a lot of fame from this, especially on Facebook and the internet and that sort of thing, doing interviews. He got out of there like they were about to stick him up or something. Like, LeBron moved the camera for two seconds, moved it back, he was gone. And like, actual famous people don't say, get that camera out of my face. I get this. Everybody doesn't know who LeBron James is. I get it. But come on, man. It's like, that was, that was a little too paranoid, if you ask me. Anyway, all in fun. Uh, Kevin Durant, congratulations, named champion of the year by GQ magazine. Warriors, more importantly, big one tonight against the Magic tonight. Didn't thought I'd say that in preseason. Magic are 4-1 against the West. Durant earlier asked about him and Draymond hollering at each other last year. That night in sack when he kind of maybe hollered at you. Hollered at me, huh? Or... Okay. <laughs> We're grown men, ain't nobody hollering at me. Uh, okay. <laughs> well, I mean, what did you think of that? I mean, that instance with him, whatever word you want to use, what word would you use, I guess? Well, we mother each other. That's got it. Hopefully everybody understands what that means. I can't use that. Yeah. My, uh... Well, somebody going to use it here. Yes. <sighs> I wish I could cuss on TV. Oh, wait. Uh... He should have hit him with that Cedric Entertainer. I'm a grown man, dog. I ain't finna call nobody delicious. Ain't nobody hollering at me that didn't bring me in this world. What you think this is? I love that. Uh, love that game tonight, though. Magic not to be slept on. Congratulations again for champion of the year, KD. When you're the finals MVP, you just get that much more comfortable in your skin. John Fox may not want to be too comfortable as Bears coach. 12 and 29 to begin with. And now all that's going to be remembered, terrible rule about the touchback. And he probably was in the right to challenge it, but somebody should have told him he lost the ball when Benny Cunningham did not hit the ball with the pylon, instead lost it out of the end zone, which, of course, was a touchback to the Packers. They end up losing to Brett Hundley. It's just bad all the way around. He's probably not going to survive this. It's a shame that that rule, which allows him to go back and fix something that they didn't find in the first place, awarded him with a turnover instead of a touchdown. Speaking of turnovers... Broncos special teams. If you're going to beat the Patriots, it would help if you don't give up a 103-yard kickoff return, a block punt, a muff punt, and have too many men on the field. The Patriots don't need your help. They're probably, not probably, they are the best team in the AFC. But special teams coach, he got a vote of confidence from Vance Joseph today. That's nice, but the Broncos are reeling. Speaking out of control, uh, the owners on the NFL's compensation committee, they told Jerry Jones to chill. Uh, the New York Times reports that they sent him a cease and desist warning after the owner threatened to sue the league if he gave Commissioner Roger Goodell if it gave Commissioner Roger Goodell a contract extension. Arthur Blank says we're just going along with ownership told us we could do the same parameters y'all already set. I hope it wasn't for fifty million dollars a year and a private Jane private, private plane, excuse me, and health insurance for life. Who gets that? I wonder what damage has already been done to this relationship, though, that's going to come back and bite them when it comes to future issues, if he is, in fact, still commissioner, which we expect him to be. If he is, thankfully, he and his people are not going to suspend Vontez Burfick for this act. He made contact with an official during Cincinnati's loss to the Titans, but he won't be suspended. Meanwhile, one of his teammates tells Adam Schefter that officials have been provoking him all season, and I believe it. I really do, because that was weak. But if you're going to go out, you go out let them know they want my money. But he shouldn't be suspended for this. The other stuff, I'm never excusing, but they definitely uh, baited him there. That was a weak ejection. Let's tell you who went hard in the paint, shall we? 
Uh, I feel like Deion Waiters went a little too hard in the paint. Now, he's defending himself, saying he's never been a dirty player and telling Rudy Gobert to get out of his feelings. Gobert, who's out four to six weeks and is not going to play tonight against the Wolves. We're looking forward to that. I understand why he is in his feelings. That looked a little unnecessary. Just because you're not dirty doesn't mean that you didn't do something that was questionable. All right. Lonzo Ball, shout out, became the youngest player in NBA history to record a triple-double. Did it against the Bucks on Saturday. Almost had a triple-double the last time he played the Suns, who he has tonight. LeBron showed him love. Magic was on Mike and Mike in the morning saying he didn't want to mess with his shooting motion, which is smart. He doesn't need anything else on his plate this year, but it probably needs work in the offseason. A lot of people have scouted that. I know he's done it all his life, but something's wrong with it. Nothing's wrong with Cody Bellinger's swing. Rookie of the year in the National League, thanks to 39 homers and 97 RBIs. Also unanimous. We talked to Aaron Judge earlier, your unanimous AL Rookie of the Year. Here's your unanimous NL Rookie of the Year in Cody Bellinger. No surprise. Hopefully that's of some solace after the way the World Series uh, went down. Shout out to Colin Kaepernick, GQ's Citizen of the Year. I've said before, he's not going to Canton, but he's in Washington, D.C., in the Smithsonian at the Museum of African-American History and Culture. People say he doesn't care about football. That's not the most important thing to him, to which I would say that's a bad thing. What he's doing right now of far more importance, and hopefully maybe one day he is the comeback player of the year if the league gets his act together and wises up. All right, good day for the 49ers today after getting their first win of the season and the first win of the John Lynch Kyle Shanahan era behind a solid performance from C.J. Beathard, who is keeping Jimmy Garoppolo on the bench for the time being. The locker room scene was insane. That was a long time coming, celebrating Mike Shanahan's first win as a head coach. They'll enjoy that through a bye week. So great scene in San Francisco. I believe in that brain trust. I believe they're on their way. Uh, But more important, Marquise Goodwin was not a part of that celebration. After that 83-yard touchdown pass, immediately, Dropped to his knees. You could tell that emotion had overcome him when his teammates surrounded him and supporting him. Turns out, uh, and he posted this to Instagram, that he and his wife had just said goodbye to their baby boy who died Sunday morning following complications during her pregnancy. So I'll just say, trust in God. You got a testimony on the way. We're all pulling for you. That's it for the six. Sports Center continues on ESPN News with Italy missing the World Cup for the first time since 58.